Hey guys, you're listening to Tea Time with Tay, a podcast series where I sit down like I have a choice, brew some tea, and then spill it. Let's start the show. Hey guys, thank you so much and welcome back to Tea Time with Tay. Remember, it is available worldwide on the iTunes podcast store. Today, I'm super excited for my interview. I have Miss Stephanie Thomas, and she is a disability fashion editor, stylist, and on-air personality, and I'm so excited to learn more about her. So, hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you, Tay? It's so good to talk to you. I know. It's so good to talk to you, too. And you're from L.A., right? I am originally from Chicago, but I live in L.A., and how long? How long Chicagoans are very passionate about being from Chicago, and not to confuse that with anywhere else. No, I'm just kidding. I know, no, no, no. I've met a few people from Chicago, and they, if they were like somewhere else, they're like, "No, I'm from Chicago, and I got yes, it at my city." You guys are really proud. You guys are proud. I got to make it out there one day for sure. Um, how long? How long have you been out in LA for? I've lived in LA for about. Four years now, I think this September made four years. So I spent a lot of time on the East Coast before I moved here. Nice. I um, I have a place out in LA, and I come out quite often. I plan on moving there when I'm done school. So I I get it, and I love I love the city, and it's a great the weather alone, right? Yeah, yeah. that's why Chicagoans live in LA. Yeah, <laughs> the weather. Yeah. So, I was going to explain to my audience how I came to find you. A few weeks ago, I was, I came across, what is her name, Lolo? Yeah, one of my curators, Lolo Love. Yeah, Lolo Love, yeah. I found one of her videos on YouTube and instantly was just like drawn to her personality and uh, how open she was because I was looking for a video to describe to some of my friends what it's like to interact with people and she had this really hilarious video and one of her newest videos were with was with you and Uh she was talking about disability fashion and styling and how people in this with disabilities are just as much into fashion as anyone else and it really spoke to me because I'm a young adult and I don't feel like the fashion world is as successful as it needs to be for me. And it wasn't something I realized until after being put in the situation. So you were featured in the video and um, I would love to hear more about how you started out and then we'll work away up into your TED talk, which I loved and shared with everyone I know. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Thank you. No. So actually for me, It started kind of haphazardly. I was in college. Um, Prior to college, just to give you a little background, I was a Broadway baby. Like, I didn't even, and I'm not proud to say this as a professor, but I really wanted to go straight to Broadway. I didn't want to go to college. I was a cheerleader for the Chicago Bulls, and it was my second year. I was a captain. I was one of the youngest captains. I was 18, literally, and... 
all of the ladies were older than me. They had college degrees, and I had a vocal scholarship to this historically black college in Kentucky. And when I went to school, I was always trying to do things that had to do with performance and theater and that sort of thing. So uh, someone that I love and respected, she was like a mentor. She was like, oh, you should try pageants. I was like, mm, everything but pageants because I can't do the arm twist. That's not really my personality. She was like, I think you would be amazing. So she connected me with a woman who had won Miss USA with her daughter. So they were mm. a mom, dog. I don't even know what that pageant was called, but I knew they, they were African-American. They had won, and she thought that they would really speak to me. So the long and short of it is that I started the pageants, but I would never button my cuffs. And so my coach was, like, annoyed because she was, like, super prim and proper, and she was like, oh, my gosh, why do you not button your cuff? And I was like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And then it dawned on me that I didn't have a right thumb, and her husband happened to be a wheelchair user. And so she said, mm -hmm. had you ever thought about clothing for people with disabilities? And I was like, I honestly hadn't. And we didn't have, like, Internet and access to things like that. So we were still printing, and she connected me with these amazing coaches for my interview, and I literally studied boxes and boxes and boxes of information about the history of clothing for people with disabilities, uh, what was missing. And around that time, it was like 19, the early 90s. And so it, if you think it's bad now. I, I was just about to say, because before, obviously, I found out all of this stuff online. And it's connecting us, and the online world's amazing. But if you didn't have that, like, how would anyone know? Right. And I still work with clients that have been in wheelchairs and have seated body types for almost a decade and they didn't even know it existed. Mm -hmm. So back then it was even worse. There is a company that's in Germany now that has, that was one of the companies and they're innovative and they're doing great things. It's Roly Moden. And they were one of the only companies that I thought, Oh my gosh, they get it. And although other companies were out, they weren't doing a lot of things. So I kind of have an obsessive personality in that when I become determined about something, I pretty much don't let it go. So I was just like, this sucks. We need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So I wound up uh, winning third runner-up to Miss Kentucky, and I just never let this go. I just kept researching clothing for people with disabilities. And then one day I was watching Oprah, and yes. she had a fashion show <laughs> on with Tyra Banks and morally and they were showing all of these alternatives to traditional fashion and it was just like oh my gosh why don't they have people with disabilities and so I just literally called baby fat I called some other major designers and I was just like look this is something that you're overlooking they told me to write a one-pager designers started flying me out to meet their head designers and I wasn't a designer but I figure I could tell people what to do but I didn't know at the time, Tay, that they weren't really flying me out to give me employment or give me a voice. They were flying me out to pat me on the head and not get sued, basically. They didn't want this woman. Oh, they, didn't, talk, mm -hmm. they right. didn't want to dismiss. They didn't want you to raise your voice if they just dismissed you. Wow. Right. So they would fly me out, pat
pat me on the head, even parade me around and be like, oh, she's going to design for people with disabilities. And I'm so naive. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is really going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And they pat me on the head, give me some clothes and send me home. With no real intent to do anything or help. Never took my call again. And so that is why I came up with the disability fashion styling system, because I was like, okay, I'm done. I really believe in God, and I really believe that, okay, Lord, you allowed these doors to close for me. What am I supposed to come up with? So mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as a diss, I see it as kind of a, it was like a, what do you call those signs in the road? Like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to go another way. So I was like, okay, let me, just give me wisdom of what I'm supposed to do. The long and short of that is that the disability fashion styling system was born which basically consists of three guiding principles, that clothing needs to be accessible, it needs to be easy to put on and take off, it needs to be smart, medically safe, not causing any harm to the body. And then third, it needs to be something that not only looks good on the wearer's body type, not only is functional for their lifestyle, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's something that they love. When they look at it, it's just like their mind is blown, they love it, it's a part of a really curated, beautiful wardrobe. And I'm I'm seriously passionate about that. I think that's incredible because, like I said, I haven't always been in a chair. I've been in a chair for about eight years. Eight years was this year. And I was super, I love fashion and I love observing. But one of the hardest things for me transitioning for, um, and being a young woman was going into, which I'm sure men feel the same, of course, was going into stores, seeing a pair of jeans that I really loved and wanted to wear, but they'd have studs on the pockets. And I'm like, talk if... Talk about it. Talk about it. Right? And these are <laughs> things that people don't think about. I'm like, these jeans are beautiful. And I was like, I can afford these jeans, but if I put them on, I'm probably going to have autonomic dysreflexia. My body's not going to like it. It's not going to be comfortable. The seams are going to be an issue. And I just kind of... For me, because I didn't even think, like, I didn't know about this whole, what you have going on, I just resorted to Lululemon being my go-to for everything, and I am a religious sweatpants wearer because of that, and it's, I kind of got into this rut and just kind of gave up and thought, fashion is never going to be something that's like, I know, (laughs) I know, I just, I was like, fashion is just not going to be that's not really what I'm going to be able to do. And, um, wow, 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 wow. And I, I think just listening to you, I just get chills. It breaks my heart. You know, when I have days and people want to be kind of, which is totally different because when you sit down, you literally cut your body in half. Yes. Yes. So you have to, you have to create a waistline. You have to elongate the torso because sometimes when you have paralysis, you have no control over the torso anymore. Hence the reason why it's called paralysis. So, and for women, a lot of times we express femininity or being sexy by how we walk, how we, you know, look in our, how our, the sway of our hips or different things that when you have a seated body type, how do you then communicate that sexiness and still have, you know, honor your body's limitations? Exactly. And that is the, that was something I 
didn't really know how to even communicate until you just spoke it out loud. It's it's weird because you do associate so much of your sexual energy or how you want to present yourself to the world by how you move, how you walk, how you present yourself. And for me, being seated, I was just like, up until even just recently, I never saw myself as when you call yourself a sexual being or someone that someone would look at desirably because I just saw myself as, well, I don't have that anymore because I'm seated. And I know it's people, my friends, like, you're crazy and whatever, but I'm like, it takes a huge toll on you because you don't, you take for granted all of those things that you are able to do in different ways you are able to present yourself. And so you're, I felt limited because of mobility and that had to do with fashion too because I'm like, I can't, wear these dresses I want to wear because they're not for me and my needs and so it's just like a whole mental and it's just it was a challenge in it in it um I know that there are now more things that I had no idea about now but I'm excited to learn more and I'm excited to try these things to help even bring back more confidence that I've already been able to gain on my own just by growing up and not letting societal pressures and expectations dictate my mind, but it's encouraging. I'm excited. Now, one of the things I want to ask you, what kind of foot plate do you have? Are you able to wear heels with your foot plate? I was going to ask you that. I have seen some people in chairs who wear high heels, and I am like, how? How are they doing that? I right, don't understand. Right. Like, so, I was like, how are they doing that? Some of, like, my... I would, we're not like best friends, but I've, I'm friends with like girls like Chelsea Hill and I'm friends with yeah. girls like Ali Stroker and, and I saw Ali on your um, site and I know they wear heels because I went to lunch with them one time. They showed up and I'm like, ladies, how are you doing this? I'm doing this, right. It depends on your foot plate and you don't, you have to make sure that you're doing something that doesn't cause foot drop and it's, it's very specialized, but mm-hmm. here's you, here's what you do. You get on the phone with whoever creates foot plates or who's working with you go, I need some heels in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need you to give me a foot plate that would accommodate heels. Like something that simple is not because a man obviously is behind this. A one, like for me, if I'm designing something like that, I'm like, we got to make sure that she's able to still express herself. Mm-hmm. And let's just transition a little bit from that point to me. I don't have a seated body type, but I want your audience to understand that I was born with, uh, less, they can't see me, but I'm, I'm actually showing you. I have one thumb on my right hand, and then yeah. I have three toes on one foot and four on the other. And I wasn't supposed to walk on my own and they took bones from like different parts of my arms to create toes for me so the two toes that you need to be able to have balance I don't have which is like God's awesome joke because in modern dance class or hot yoga you know I start off barefoot I'll never forget this one day this this girl was standing next to me and it's a personality type because mm-hmm. everyone doesn't do this but she was standing next to me and you know how they size you up she pretty much was I don't know why she was sizing me up maybe her man was in there I don't know I don't know what her deal was we in yoga we should not be sizing each other up so she looks over at me and gives me the up and down I am one of the only african-americans in the class and yeah. she's like do you deserve to be on the front row in this hot yoga class yeah. 
I always get on the front row, even if I'm not that good, because I don't want to look at everybody else mess up. Good. So this chick, she looks at me, she sizes me up, and she chuckles because of my feet. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be completely transparent. I am not competitive in yoga, but that day, you're I was like, like, yeah, I'm going all in. Yeah. <laughs> so then by the end, I didn't mean to do it, but I'm just being honest. My total attitude changed. And when we had to do like poses, because I have this incredible balance, mm-hmm. which is so ironic. I just, I went in and then by the end, she wasn't chuckling anymore. She would barely even look my way. And that's the thing. It's like when someone sees someone with a seated body type who happens to use a wheelchair or a visible crutch or someone with a different type of disability, you get a different pass than I get. Because for me, it's like if a guy tries to holler at me and talking to me, boo, 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 you're attractive, I like you, la, la, la. And then it's like, oh, you ain't got no toes or if I want to go to the beach. So I don't get a pass. I don't get a pass. It's like, you know... Dang, you were almost there. Is kind of the response that I've gotten. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I yeah. So, talking about being able. So for me, I don't wear open toe shoes. And it used to be. I'm gonna be completely candid. When I was in college, I wore open toe shoes just to piss everyone off around me because that's my personality type. When they mm-hmm. would make fun of me, I'd be like, Oh, okay. You want to make fun of me? You don't like it? Okay, I gotta them. show it off more. I'm Anyway, right, yeah. mm-hmm. and then I'd go back to my room, and then I'd cry because I hated that, and I felt yeah. like you. I felt limited. I felt like, oh, my gosh, I can never wear open toe shoes, and it's I'm a person that loves to be barefoot. I loved sexy shoes because I love skirts and dresses, and then I just had to realize I don't get the support that my foot needs to in those shoes, so I kind of got over that, and now I just walk on the beach barefoot or you know, in my classes barefoot if I need to. And I, I do it without any hangups, but I wasn't always that way. Yeah. And I've had to style for myself for years. So I've had to find shoes that had a vamp long enough to give me the support I needed, but that did not look matronly. You know what I mean? Like some dresses, a wedge just won't do it. You yeah. need a stiletto. Yeah, it's so true. So, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And do I make millions of dollars today? No. But am I helping a lot of people? Yes. Will I start to make more money? Yeah, that's why I sold everything that I owned and moved to L.A. Because being here, I'm able to work with studios. I'm able to work with agencies. I'm able to work with actors and athletes with disabilities and help them with these red carpets and you know, can I tell you something that's the truth, though? I want to be completely candid before we go to the TED Talk, and I know I've talked a lot, but I just want to tell you this. A lot of people with disabilities are even apprehensive of even asking me for help. I I was going to bring up that point. It's one of those, yes. yeah, because it's like admitting to yourself that you... That you're different. That you're different, and that is such a huge thing to accept, and uh, it's something that took me a really long time to accept, and... I hated going to malls for so long, but I love fashion, but I hated going to malls. So I'm like, I'm different. It reminded you that you were different, but not only the mall, your closet. So one, one day you're able to stand up and actually touch the things in your closet, pull the yes. things out, do what you want. Yes. And now you can't even reach the things in your closet. That's 
when I do closet audits for people with seated body types that were not born that way, I say it, when you if they're living in their home, the first thing I suggest, or even in their apartment, try to make that closet set up for someone with a seated body type. Lower those, lower those bars. Make it eye level. Give it yourself the power because that's going to make you feel more empowered because that's a whole emotional, I mean, you can speak to it. It's an emotional thing to, to see your closet now and not be able to wear the things in your closet. It, I cannot wait to come back out to LA to meet <laughs> and have you change my style and life and closet and I'm just so I'm so excited to meet you. I can't wait to meet you either. This is gonna I honestly feel like this is the start of something really great because I have so many questions and so many things that I want to try and you're just really getting me excited about it and I hope that people who listen to this and hear this if they are in a chair because I know a lot of people are who listen to me that there are options and there are people working out here to advocate for us and are really making huge strides and I think one of the biggest things that you've been able to do is your TED talk which for I love TED talks since the beginning of time I find them so fascinating um and I was so excited to see that you had the opportunity to do one so can you speak a bit on that yeah that uh, I'm a college professor as well so I teach fashion marketing and my students used to be like Miss Thomas Miss Thomas you gotta do a TEDx do a TED talk do something and so that was on a vision board a few years ago and I wound up working with Magna Reddy who is now in stores all over the United States with Magna Click technology and men's shirts for Van Heusen so they're everywhere and they are actually working with Runway of Dreams, who's now with the Tommy Hill figure. That's their technology. So Maura and her team set up an interview for me since my People magazine. That's how it started. I did a photo shoot. People magazine? And People did an article, a full write-up on me online. So it's, I'll send you the link. But if you, I'll send you the link so you can mm-hmm. have it. Someone in Canada read that and... They asked me for a radio interview with your CBS radio. It's kind of like our NPR. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I did this interview in my studio, in my home, which was in my closet, because every voice talent has a studio in their closet. And I did that interview, and this woman said she stalked me until she could find me and said, do you want to do a TED Talk? And I'm like, is that even a question? She found me on Twitter. And she's like, want to do a TED Talk? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happened. You know, it became this thing where I knew last year I had to submit my paperwork. It was approved. And then she said, I would love for you to do a fashion show with it. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, yeah. So I said, I'll have to come in a week early or at least the beginning of the week, pull the clothes, meet the models. And that's how it happened. I... I had a coach, I had to write several different, you know, I had to write through it, I had to work on it, I had to memorize it, but for me, it was the culmination of my life's work, to be completely honest with Mm -hmm. you. 
because sometimes I want to tell people what I do and you understand what I do because you are actually a person who lives with a seated body type. But a lot of people don't get what I do and the necessity of what I do. Although Stacey London, I don't know if you've ever heard of Stacey London. She's a she stylist. She was on What Not to Wear. She yeah. has her own TV show. She's on the... With the on gray the stripe hair, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I went through her training and became a certified stylist. That's one of the trainings that I went through. And she told me, she said, keep doing what you're doing. No one else is doing it. And that came from her. And... I was really excited about that. I think that was like 2010 and it really motivated me. But this TEDx talk really motivated me because now I can just send people the TED talk and then they can go, Oh, this is what's different. So I'm really using this TED talk to open up opportunities for consulting and helping people so that when you go in the store, the people that you encounter actually know how to help you. They know not to put clothing on your wheelchair. They know not to lean on your wheelchair. They know not to call you handicapped. They know not to say you're inspirational because you know how to put on your own pants. They understand how to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing about it was obviously for me, like you said, I get it, what you're saying, and I get um, why it's a necessity, but I think you were able to deliver it and explain it in a manner that anyone could get uh because you you made it visual i'm the fashion part of it fashion show part of it was really exciting because you brought it to life your idea not that you weren't able to describe it because you were you described it well and i love that you brought in your story and how you got started with it but it was relatable to everyone and i think that is awesome yeah i think it's one of those really important videos that's out there that will help break down even more doors than you already have. And um, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for <laughs> us, the community, yes. because finally I can't people. Bitch work yeah. With you. yeah, I'm excited. I finally, like you said, this isn't an overnight thing for you. This has been work in progress since the pageant. But um, yeah. I think finally more people are going to be hearing what you're saying and what our quiet voices haven't been able to say. So it's really exciting. Um, I know that you work with a bunch of brands. So do you like help consult for them or can you explain that a little bit more for me? Yeah, I actually am, like I said, I have that personality. I'm very tenacious. So if I see something I like, Mm -hmm. I just call them or I email them and I go, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing. Let's do something. And so my relationship with them, I do have a couple of brands and a couple of people I'm working with now where I do wind up consulting. And because I've known them, they're kind of grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. But now people that are asking me to do it, I do consult because I hear from people like you that they're like, I don't like that. Even though it's functional, it's not, it has no personality. It's not like. I don't feel like it has my vibe. So Mm -hmm. yes, people are starting to say, can you help me? And what's happening with a lot of the adaptive brands is because they have to make such small quantities. It's more expensive. Their clothing is more expensive. And here's the thing for me. If you're going to give me an amazing fabric, a, a a detailed cut that's so smart and so inventive and intuitive, I'm going to pay more for that because Mm -hmm. that's sustainable. 
it's part of building a basic wardrobe that empowers you that if you want to throw a trend in here and there, you can do it. But a lot of that just doesn't exist right now. Yeah. The Tommy Hilfiger line is brilliant. I love what Magna Reddy and Mora and, and Mindy are doing. I love it. And here's the beauty of the infancy of this industry. If you are into athleisure or if you like the gender neutral clothing, mm -hmm. if you like urban you know, streetwear, if you like all of that, that is not always readily available for someone with a seated body type. Yeah. And I think if you're preppy, you're going to be drawn to Tommy Hilfiger, right? Yes, of course. There are some basic pieces that you can get from Izzy Collection. Mm -hmm. There are some great pieces you can get from Roly Moden, from Chair Milotti, from AG Apparel, all of these brands from, you know, Besgrenese Couture, but... I feel like in talking to these brands, one of the conversations, honestly, Tay, that I'm having over and over and over again is there's no personality connected to the brand. When I go to, okay, one of my favorite brands is Cause. It's not a high-end brand. It's an H, It's part of the H&M family, but it's minimalistic. It's clean. It's mm -hmm. it's smart. Some of, the, some of the ways that they mix art and fashion are just something that I love and I feel connected to. So when I see their Instagram, even the way that they shoot their photos and it speaks to me as a person, that's what's missing with our brands. So that's some of the relationship I'm having with the brands. Now I'm saying your Instagram, your feeds, your Snapchat, it needs to look like your customer, like your demographic. Yeah. People, I think, I think sometimes with a lot of businesses miss the mark on is that their online presence is imperative to their business's yes. success. I yes. am completely one of those people. I just had a birthday party, right? Side okay. note, I was looking for a party planner. Happy birthday. Thank you. I was looking for a party planner and I did not look at certain places because I went on their site, so I went on their social media, and it was either not upkept or it just didn't speak to me. And so with any business, especially in fashion, fashion is 1,000% all visual. You need your, your brand message, your brand, what your brand is needs to be apparent from the first two seconds of scrolling. I need right. to know what I'm going to expect from you and you need to draw me in because you have that five sec. We live in a very short attention span yeah. mind world and you need to catch my attention right away. And so I think that's great that you let them know like, hey, like what is that? Um, Brandy said cause. Yeah, cause. Yeah, you said it spoke to you right away, right? When you right. saw it. And that's, yeah. so the online presence, the social media presence for your brand is imperative and people miss that. They're like, I have this product and I'm out here doing it. That's enough. And unfortunately anymore, it's not enough. It's not enough because people don't buy. Buying is social now. And mm -hmm. so this is, you asked my relationship with the brands. For me, that's what's missing. Buying is social. No longer is buying smiling and then I'm selling this hat. <laughs> selling the hat is now me with my head down, hands on my head, maybe this artistic looking image and people are like, dang, that hat is dope. Mm -hmm. And then they click on it and buy it directly from Instagram. Yeah. 
You don't have to tell people this is on sale because if they love it and they look at it, they're going to be like, where did she get that from? I'm going to find it. Right. And so the thing that's missing, because one of the things that I do is a lot of times people will be like, do you have a brand? Do you have anything? I'm like, no. And I'm really into, and I'm going to start moving in my heart. I'm into sustainable, getting rid of fashion waste. So Mm -hmm. for me, I love thrifting. I've loved it since I was a little girl. It's something I did with my dad. I do it with my aunts. So I'm starting Curatable's Closet and I'm not duplicating anything it's just if I go to the thrift store and if I find something cute that matches and meets the standard of my disability fashion styling system I'm going to style some people with disabilities that are my friends I'm going to put them in it put the curators in it and then if you love it you can click and buy it so I understand people purchase socially I get it and Mm -hmm. I try to tell them look guys the first thing they say to me Tay is Oh, no, I want to reach everybody in a wheelchair. And then I'm going, well, hell, everybody in a wheelchair don't want to buy your clothes. No. And they don't even, who, who's your customer? Who are you talking to? And here's the thing. They feel so overwhelmed by everything else. They need to take the time to put the energy into their social feed. Yeah. My relationship with designers, some of it is consulting a lot of it is consulting through conversations. And since I have the ears of the people that are in public, like you, people that are public figures that hate to shop in 2016, I'm telling them, yeah, you have stuff, but that stuff is not appealing to the people that you want it to appeal to the way you want it to appeal. Exactly. It's, yeah. So, it's so true. It's so true, and like I said, it's been a very frustrating process, and it adds to the feeling different, but um, yeah, it, I'm just, I'm so happy that you're out here doing this and making a really big difference to a oh, lot of people, because awesome. awesome. there's so many people I talk to, and like, I go out, and they're like, oh, don't you wish you could just wear this or wear that? I'm like, Yes. And I go with my friends who are able, because all of my friends uh, who live in Toronto, they are all able-bodied. All of my girlfriends or friends who are in wheelchairs are my LA, my LA family. Shout out to them. Um, and so when I go shopping with my girls here, it's really frustrating. We're all the same age, but I feel like I can't participate. And you are creating and letting people know that there are people like me and you who want to participate and just we just need the avenues to and the clothing to and for people to care and have to say and we're a huge market forget wheelchairs amputees people with minor mobility issues skin breakdown issues like it's huge huge it is huge and they're missing it they're missing it i think some people ask me, there's always the, always the question, especially as an academic as well, mm-hmm. is this social or is it, you know, should it just be something for profit? And I think it is a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that as a social entrepreneur, I can honestly say that, yeah, this adds to my SROI. But in addition to that, you can actually expect to get a return on your investment when you target your audience and you speak to their needs. And, and that's my thing. I don't even... You know, I used to kind of want to tiptoe around for my adaptive brands. I didn't want to offend. And here's the thing today. 
the people that I've worked with, and I can, I, I've worked in different industries. They're amazing. These women primarily that are saying this doesn't exist. We need to get it out there because my child, my grandchild, my husband, my blah, blah, blah needs this. I am just so overwhelmingly impressed and inspired by these women and what they've done. I don't want to diminish that. And there are men that are working in listability in Sacramento. I don't want to diminish any of that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, is I also have friends in the mainstream fashion industry. And what I have them do is go look at it and look what they're offering. And they're not impressed because they're looking at it and they're going, this is not matching the aesthetic of what people are used to seeing, especially with Instagram. Like there's, you can't, you can't half do it anymore because people know the difference. Yes. So there has to be an investment in time and with things like Fiverr and, you know, 99 designs and all of these outsourcing, you know, outlets, there's no excuse why you can't say, I'm going to put aside a thousand dollars a year, even as a minimum for marketing and branding and making this happen. Yeah. It, it takes a lot to get your name out there. And even just branding myself, it takes a lot more than people think and people you need to invest in yourself. You need to invest in what you believe in. And once you have the word out there, let it fly, you know. But getting yep. it out there is important. Um, to wrap up, I'm interested. Where do you see your, the classic question? Where do you see Stephanie Thomas in five years and everything that you've been working on? Okay, I don't know if you're going to like this answer, but no, I want I'm, I'm to... Open. The first thing I definitely see is I see myself, I know I'll be married, I know I'll have children, Mm -hmm. which will change the dynamic and the scope of my life, fortunately, give me a little bit of balance. And then in addition to that, I really want to put curatable out of business in that sense that no one needs, I want styling for people with disabilities within the next decade to be so commonplace that the need for a specialist is no longer necessary. Uh, having said that, what I want to transition more into is consulting yeah. because it'll be commonplace. So then I can actually get in and have, you know, LVMH bring me in and say, take a look at our brands, look at what we're offering. How can we take what we have and be able to tell them, Hey, why don't you take this? This is, it looks a bit gender neutral. It looks like it'll work for someone with arthritis, be able to look at what they currently offer and then maybe partner them with people that are already doing something and see how they can work together or work with people like you or my curators and say, Hey, what are your favorite brands? Here's some influencers. Here's some people that can really bring light to your brand. And that's within the next three to five years. But in that 10 year span, Tay, I don't want there to be a need for this, but I still want to be able to create content surrounding the idea of disability being sexy and powerful and amazing. So writing books, I'm working on pitching my first book right now. And I was going to do an ebook and I randomly met this guy in the bank that was like, you did a TEDx talk? Cause my the banker asked me about it, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I've never met anyone who's done one. And he met with me. He was like, don't do an ebook, Go to a publisher. So I'm actually pitching my book ideas. So that will be within the next three to five years. Family, 
book idea, getting rid of the need for having a specialty in styling, but making that more of the norm and more consulting and traveling the world and speaking. Oh, I am inspired. There's nothing I love more than meeting and getting to know another woman out here who's just hustling, who knows what she wants and is doing it, not even just speaking it, but doing it. It just like, it motivates me more to do all the things I want to do. And I think it's just so great to see. And I'm excited for you, like I said, and I'm excited for the community and I'm excited for to break down more barriers in the fashion world. And oh, I'm, just, I'm just so excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Wow. Um, if my audience would like to find you, on uh-huh. the social interwebs, where can we find you? Give us the, the Rolodex. So uh, it's all curatable. So it's curatable, C-U-R-8-A-B-L-E, on Twitter, on Snapchat, on IG, of course, mm-hmm. on Facebook, if you still go there. And, yeah, so it's across the platform. We're working on revamping the site i'm super excited i saw the the new drafts the other night uh, for curatable.com nice well so i'll have beat. yeah when the when this podcast goes out i will you'll be featured on the front of my site and i'll make sure in the blog post that links to it to keep all of her links there to all of her curatable things in case you guys have troubles finding anything but um stephanie i'd like to thank you so much for your time i cannot wait to come back to LA and meet you and go shopping and hang out. Yes. I think it'd be it. great. And we could do like a, like a follow up then like afterwards. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I would love to do that because mm-hmm. I think, you know, hearing your voice about your experience with me will give a different picture of me talking about what I do. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. And until next time, guys, remember you can find me and all of my social media platforms on Taylor LN Writes, that's W-R-I-T-E-S dot com, and especially on Taylor LN underscore Writes on Instagram. And until next time, remember to stay positive and authentically you. I love you guys, and yeah, bye.